You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1116 of the Lot on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. And thank you, as always, for making the Lot on Hawks podcast your first listen each and every day. Check us out on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Today's show will begin a new week for the Atlanta Hawks and also, hopefully, signs of positivity to come. The Hawks bounce back in a big way on Sunday evening, downing the Milwaukee Bucks by a final score of 120 to 100 in Atlanta. In the first matchup between these two teams since the Eastern Conference Finals, Game 6 was the last time these two teams played on July 3rd. A lot has changed in those four and a half months. But the Hawks also snapped a six-game losing streak that was obviously frustrating for everyone involved. And in my mind, and sort of as a top-line thought here, this is the best effort, best performance of the season from the Hawks overall. The other thing, the only game that would be comparable in nature would be the season opener against Dallas, but I thought Dallas was kind of messing that game. At any rate, this is a... Very, very good performance. Certainly a top two effort from the Hawks this season. And for my money, their best performance of the entire campaign to this point. And a lot of that was Trey Young, who we'll get into much more later on. But he was masterful in this game. A season-high 42 points to go along with 10 assists and 8 rebounds. And also some of the best nights of the season from other guys on the support staff, like Clay Capella, for instance, was very good, I thought, in this game compared to previous efforts. Danilo Gallinari had a nice game off the bench. Lou Williams was pretty good for the first time in a while. So... All kinds of uh, credit to go around. John Collins was, again, very, very good in this game as he has been all season long. So we'll get into all of that. But they led most of, this, most of the way in this contest. Never really challenged on the stretch. And they're now 4-1 at home this season. So uh, obviously the friendly confines of State Farm Arena are treating the Hawks quite well. As we always do um, on the podcast, we'll sort of give you the context coming into the night here at the top. Um, the Hawks were actually closer to full strength in terms of having their entire roster, but they did have one injury to keep an eye on. Before the game, actually on Saturday, the Hawks recalled the trio of Jalen Johnson, Shreve Cooper, and Skylar Mays from College Park. College Park had uh, actually does not play until Friday, so there was no reason not to do this, um, especially once the Hawks were back in Atlanta. This is kind of a no-brainer. Those actually guys got to play at the end of this ca- at the end of this game in garbage time. But injury-wise, um, Bogdan Bogdanovich was actually questionable coming in with right ankle soreness. Ended up warming up and playing. Wasn't quite his best, and I think it's actually some interesting context to put through. His performances have not been fantastic this year, but he has been banged up. That ankle is definitely bothering him on some level, which is something to keep an eye on. But he ended up playing and playing at least uh, semi-reasonably in this contest. But DeAndre Hunter missed this game with right wrist soreness. You might remember over the weekend in the last game the Hawks played on Friday night. He left the game and, and did not return. McMillan said he was definitely feeling some pain in that in that wrist, so no surprise that he was out. But in his absence, they started Kevin Herter in his place. They actually worked out pretty well there, um, getting uh, him more time, etc. The Bucks also not at full strength. That's the one sort of small caveat to this win is that you know Milwaukee's still good with Giannis, uh, clearly the reigning champions, but they were missing four of their top eight or nine guys in this game. Chris Middleton was out, Brooke Lopez, Dante DiVincenzo, and George Hill. All those guys out, so they were playing some uh, some tough lineups, we'll say. But still, you know, they had Drew, they had Giannis, um, they had Connaughton, etc. So it wasn't like they were totally shorthanded. But the Hawks actually were favored in this game, which people were surprised by because of the way they were obviously playing. Atlanta had lost six games in a row, but given that they were at home, back on normal rest, and the Bucks were shorthanded. Our friends at Bad Online actually made the Hawks two-point favorites by the time the game actually started, with Bogdanovich playing and Hunter not playing, and all the injuries for Milwaukee. So, obviously the Hawks covered the spread in this game by winning by a more lopsided margin. But we'll dive in now to what transpired in the first half. 
And really, as it was the entire night, Trey Young was the headliner for the Hawks out of the gate. Um, in fact, the first three baskets of the night for the Hawks were threes by Trey. He hit one off the dribble, one in the catch and shoot, and then one that was kind of a standstill that he let somebody blow by on and then shot it stand, standing still um, sort of after a pump fake. Um, the last two of those were very deep. He was definitely red hot early on. And then he had another one moments later when he had Bobby Portis in an ISO. So basically, Trey was four for four from three in the first four minutes. And uh, obviously, that's a very nice way to start your game if you were the Hawks. He was also responsible directly for the first 17 points for the Hawks between scoring and passing, including a couple of nice passes to Collins and Capella for easy buckets. The Hawks led early on, 15-9, and nine, and um, actually the Bucks only led this game by two points. That was their only lead of the game was up, was up two. The Hawks led the entire rest of the way. A couple of quick fouls from Giannis, which is definitely fortunate for the Hawks. Um, they actually started out with Capella guarding Giannis. Uh, Collins had him some as well, um, even Reddish at times um, in the middle of the game. But they had Collins on Portis at the outset, and they actually had Trey on Grayson Allen, and then Herter on Connaughton and Bogdanovich on Holiday. A little bit weird to have Bogey on Holiday, particularly with the way that Bogey struggled defensively this year. I think he's definitely not been quite his normal self. He was never a great defender anyway, but certainly been a little bit slow at the point of attack this year. But uh, he did a pretty decent job on Drew. Drew's not like a speed guy anyway, but that was at least a curious choice that I thought at the outset. Um... And one of the things that was sort of interesting about this game was that the Hawks changed their rotation patterns, not only because of who they were playing, and McMillan said this after the game as well, they took Trey out um, a lot earlier in this contest. In the first half, it was at a six-minute mark. They took him out for DeLon Wright, and then they brought him back in very quickly. Um, if you've been paying attention this year, you would know, but in case you didn't, uh, Trey's usually playing in the first 10 or more minutes straight of these games, at least this season. Um, there have been times he's played, he's played the entire first quarter. So for him to come out at six-minute mark was definitely a change with no foul trouble. And then they brought him back in about two and a half minutes later. So that was definitely a quick break, uh, not the usual there for Trey, sort of a tweak to, uh, I guess, stagger some lineups a little bit. McMillan talked about that um, being uh, sort of the plan coming in. They talked to Trey about that. And I think the uh, the goal in which Nate was talking about this was that kind of mixing lineups. And I'm definitely in favor of that overall. Um, one of my pet peeves this year has been the, uh, the full bench units. There's just no reason for that with the Hawks uh, this season and kind of get away from that a little bit this year. So that definitely worked. I don't necessarily love having Trey only sit for two minutes at that one at that one point, but it definitely was uh, at least effective and staggering a little bit. And then they actually, in the absence of Hunter, they kind of plugged that rotation spot, at least to some degree, with uh, playing both DeLon Wright and Lou Williams. Um, instead of going to Solomon Hill or TLC in the rotation as another wing, they kind of just went a little bit smaller. You know, DeLon Wright is kind of wing-sized in some ways, but they played smaller, and that was kind of how they addressed that. Um, they pushed the lead up to 11 in the first quarter at one point after Trey's fifth three of the quarter. Again, he was red hot in this game. It was definitely a bizarre quarter, though. The Hawks hit seven threes, including five by Trey. They were only... There were only three of 12 on twos in the quarter, so a little bit strange there. Trey had 15 points. Um, they rebounded well the entire game, and Milwaukee didn't shoot terribly, but they had no offensive rebounds and no free throws in the first quarter. So that was an interesting sort of well-rounded quarter from the Hawks to go up by eight, and again, they would never would really push the lead the rest of the way. In the second, the Hawks pushed it up a little bit. Um, their lead took actually up, up to 12 quickly. Um, they actually played Capella with the bench early in the second quarter, Um if there was one little hiccup in that stretch, it was a bunch of missed layups by kind of all parties. Reddish missed his first three layups of the game in this contest. Then Wright missed one. Capella missed one. They just kind of had some lack of success right at the rim early on in this game. Um, but they did push the layup to, up to 12. Lou, I thought, has probably his best stretch of the season, honestly. Uh, he had a three. And then he found Capella for a pretty big dunk by Capella. It was good to see him sort of showing some more spring 
in his legs. And then another jumper, another jumper by Lou as well. Uh, Reddish actually had an injury scare in this game. I'm not really sure what happened there in terms of long-term, but he came back in. But he, he went down in the middle of a defensive possession in the second quarter, was holding his leg, hobbled off, went straight to the locker room, actually, and uh, looked kind of like it could be kind of bad, but was listed as questionable kind of quickly by the Hawks with a lower left, sorry, a lower right leg contusion before halftime. And then during the halftime break, they said he was going to be cleared to play, and he returned to play the second half. So that's uh, hopefully good news. Uh, it looked worse than it, I guess it maybe was. But just as a note, he was banged up from that point forward in this game. When he had to come out, they actually went back to the full starting unit at one point, uh, and then they actually had to go back to Gallinari because Capella wasn't going to play the entire second quarter. But they, it was actually the first match where the Collins played center um, in this game. The only couple times in this game, they, they kind of stayed big for the most part. But there was an 11-0 run by the Hawks, their biggest and probably most productive stretch of the entire night, to go from up by 7 to up by 18. And uh, there were three threes in a row by Herter and then two in a row by Trey Young. And that kind of came after a little bit of a wobble from the offense. That was good to see. Uh, Trey had seven threes in the first half. His career high is eight, which he actually matched yet again. That is the sixth time in his career he's hit eight threes, but uh, couldn't get past that mark, but still seven times in the first half. And the Hawks were up 18 at, at one point, obviously, as I just said, but only up by 14 at the break. They shot great from three, uh, 11 of 22 from, from the uh, three-point line in the first half, but the volume is more encouraging to me than anything else. They out-free-throw attempted the Bucks eight to four. They only shot 9 of 25 on twos, but it didn't kill them. Only eight assists, but nothing uh, terribly uh, sort of out of the ordinary there. They won the glass, and they dominated that the entire game, and they held the Bucks to less than a point per possession in the first half of this contest. The Hawks did a pretty good job, and also, as I said before, Milwaukee's shot creation a little bit weaker with some of their injuries and some of their absences, but still a, a pretty complete effort from the Hawks. Uh, and honestly, you know, from that point forward, until garbage time, the, basically the lead in the first half of 14 was kind of where the game was sitting for the entire second half, which we'll get into in a second. But really the damage was done. The biggest stretch of that game was that 11-0 push from, from the Hawks to go from you know leading by a narrow margin to up by 18, and that kind of gave them the cushion that they would have for most of the rest of the night. Before we get into the rest of the game, though, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Prize Picks. Attention NBA fanatics, I have to tell you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know that you will too. Prize Picks is the best NBA DFS prop game on the market, and it offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as all the bench players, that only, even if they only record a handful of minutes each and every game. Prize Picks offers any prop that you can think of. In football, it's yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. In basketball, it's points, it's assists, it's rebounds, and much, much more. And every user that deposits and uses the promo code that we have here will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. And that promo code is NBA. One more time, that promo code is NBA. You pick two to five players and an overrunner on their projections, you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you against the projected numbers. Prize picks allows mixed sports entries. You can take the over on LeBron, combine with the under on Mahomes in the same entry, and that goes for Trey Young as well. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. Yes, you can do all of this in under 60 seconds. Price Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out PricePicks.com and use the promo code NBA or go to the App Store right now and download the app today. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Today's show is also brought to you by DirecTV. Tell me if this sounds familiar to you. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite TV shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all of the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. 
It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like they've never been before. So you can watch your favorite shows, movies, and sports all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So you can get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Okay, we'll dive into the second half of this game now. And if there was one little bit of a hiccup along the way, it was the start of the third quarter. So an 8-0 run by the Bucks to cut the lead down from where it had been up to 18, down to 6. And it was a 16-4 overall push dating back to the first half. So not great from the offense at the outset. They didn't score for the first three minutes. There were some decent looks, I thought, actually, but a couple of turnovers as well. Just not the best performance coming out of the locker room. And obviously, given they had just lost six games in a row, there was an uh-oh feeling on some level. But they stabilized pretty quickly, which was good to see. In fact, Collins got a dunk and a layup on the next two trips, and then a young Capella lob dunk to put the lead back to 12. And from that point forward, they were really never challenged, honestly. Um, after the timeout, actually, that what that sort of was prompted by that little push, Milwaukee called a timeout, and the Hawks, uh, at least led by Collins, had a great, a great help side block by John, and then an impressive finish through contact. And later in the quarter, he also caught a lob to dunk. Um, he was really good in general, uh, in this game, which is not a huge surprise, but wanted to at least make, make note of that. Um, defensively, though, I will say, uh, I sort of tweeted this, but really the theme of the first like quarter and a half of the second half, so all of the third even part of the fourth, was that Milwaukee had that big run at the outset, and then Atlanta countered with a run of their own, and then for, for like a seven or eight minute period, maybe even longer, it was basically like both sides just traded buckets. And Given that the Hawks were up by 12, up by 12, 14 points the whole time, that's not the worst thing in the world. But defensively, not a lot of stops. This, the pace was kind of slow in that in that stretch, but a lot of effective offense from both sides. Um, you know, the lead wasn't lead wasn't shrinking for the Hawks, so it wasn't like it was the worst thing in the world. But uh, it was kind of funny just to kind of see that ping ponging back and forth with bucket after bucket on both sides. Um, as they did in the first half, they actually brought Trey back out again. It was a little bit later, it was about the four-minute mark this time, and he sat for a little bit longer the second time around. They actually brought in Cam and Collins back together to kind of sort of stabilize that and using uh, Collins as more of a second-unit engine. Uh, no Gorgie Jang in the second half, at least w- with regard to the uh, competitive portion after he played some in the first half. Um, there was one stretch, uh, one, at least one note I wanted to mention, that Giannis got his fourth foul. Um, he actually went through Collins, who took a nice charge. It was good, good defense by John. But that was a sort of allowed them to um, at least get Giannis off the court for a larger portion of the fourth quarter, which probably helped them to stabilize even more. Because of course, the Bucks, as you might imagine, rely heavily on Giannis right now without a lot of their guys. Um, and then still, you know, in in general, they took a 12 point lead into the fourth. They lost the third quarter by two points, but honestly, that felt fine given that they had the margin. And they actually shot much better from two. In the third, and much worse from three. They were 12 of 19 on twos, which after after 9 of 25 in the first half felt very much different. But they also were 2 of 8 on threes and only two free throw attempts in the second and the third quarter, I should say. Still, though, the glass was their friend, extra possessions, and that was definitely a huge part of it. In the fourth, they went to bench plus Collins with uh, no Gorgie again. Um, and that, you know, as Lou Williams had his direction in the first half, it was Gallo's turn in the second half. He had a 5 point little mini run on his own to push the lead up to 17. It was good to see him make some shots. The Bucks did answer a little bit, but uh, once they brought the starters back with Young and Herter at about nine minute mark, it sort of clicked again. They started scoring. Still sort of that back and forth struggling to get stops. A lot of offense in that whole stretch. But really never, the challenge never came for Milwaukee. Trey hit his 8-3 
with about six minutes to go to go by 50, uh, back up by 15 points. And honestly, that was a huge shot, I thought, in sort of avoiding the potential catastrophe. Um, it stayed in that 13, 15, 17 range for the next few minutes. And then what I thought was kind of the ultimate dagger in this game was a Collins three-point play with about 2.35 to go to go back up by 17. It was probably already over, but that was definitely the moment where it was like, all right, this game is actually going to be over. Um, and it was from there. They emptied the bench with about a minute and a half to go. We got to see a little bit of Jalen Johnson and Sharif Cooper, which I know fans like to see that at the end of the game, even in garbage time. So a nice little way to cap off what became a pretty comfortable win. Uh, we'll get in now to the takeaways from this game quickly. And honestly, the offense was very good in this contest. You know, it's not been the problem this year, as I've sort of stressed. It's been more of a def- defensive issue. But at the same time, the Hawks have not been great offensively. This is an offense-first team, and they need to be better than they've been so far. And they were really good in this game. About a, about a 128-129 offensive rating. That's obviously elite against a good defense as well. They shot it very well. In this game, 49% from the floor, 43% from three. That's obviously quite good. 58% true shooting is uh, excellent, we'll say. Um, they dominated the glass, though, on both ends of the floor. They got 37% of their own misses in this game, which is an uber-elite rating. And then defensively, which we'll get into more in a second, they grabbed you know almost every defensive rebound in this game. And that was a huge, huge advantage. The Hawks attempted 13 more shots than the Bucks and... Uh, only three less free throws, so basically, you know, 12 extra possessions or so, and that definitely helps your math problem overall. They didn't, get, they didn't get to the line very much, but they got to the rim more than usual. 52 points in the paint, that's good to see, and they shot it well. And in terms of the second half especially, 54% from the floor and 23 of 37 on twos after halftime. Collins had 16 points after, after halftime alone, and Trey had 15 as well. So those two guys did their work, um, you know, really the whole game, especially in the second half. And then defensively. They held the Bucks to about a 104 offensive rating. That isn't like a dominant defensive performance, but it's certainly much better than it's been. The Hawks, of course, were like bottom three or four in the league coming into the night in defensive rating, and this was a pretty impressive performance. Um, nothing on the glass for Milwaukee, as I said before, uh, but I want, I want to emphasize this. Milwaukee only secured four offensive rebounds in this game, and they missed 46 shots. So they got less than, uh, less than 10% of their own misses, and that is a dominant ratio for the Hawks. Fantastic stuff there. Um, they held Milwaukee down below their baseline normal of normalcy on points in the paint, with only 34. That's way below their normal uh, average. Um, again, it wasn't like dominant, but they did a pretty good job on Giannis. They didn't lose too many shooters. You know, the Bucks did get up 41-3. That's probably more than you want to allow, but some of those were some, some pretty bad shooters, like Sandy Ojale took four, for instance. So, no complaints. Was it like an absolute, you know, shutout, perfect game defensively? No, but in terms of two-way efforts, you know, in the opener against Dallas, the Hawks had this great defensive performance. You know, Hunter on Luka, all that stuff. But the offense was just okay. And the reason why I said at the top of the podcast, I think it was their best game of the season overall, is because it was a two, it was a two-way performance. They were great on offense. They were great on defense. That is obviously a very, very positive development overall. Um, we'll get into more, of course, on the players' efforts and uh, takeaways from this game looking ahead as well to the future. But before we do that, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Built Bar. I love Thanksgiving, all the good food and treats, and plenty of them, but maybe you want a yummy dessert that isn't so full of calories and sugar. And with that said, it's the perfect time for Built Bar. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. This is something that's totally delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories. That might even be on the low end. But most built Bars have only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with coconut built Bar. Go for a raspberry built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. And they're low-calorie, low-carb, low-fat, high-protein, and covered in 100% chocolate. 
Built Bar is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar or two. Share some of your family gatherings. It'll make even things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a Built Bar yet. We'll have new surprises all month. Limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly, so check out the site often. There's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. And for now, you can go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15, 15% off in your next order with Built Bar. Use promo code LOCK15, 50% off at Built.com. Okay, and we'll close the show as we always do by talking about the individual performances in this game. And honestly, as you might imagine, there were a lot more encouraging performances from players than there have been so far. If you missed it from over the weekend, we talked about the the Nuggets game and kind of some broad takeaways there. And a lot of the message was that, you know, most of the roster, you know, the great majority of the roster, basically everyone but Trey and John had been struggling on some level. And this game uh, wasn't perfect across the board, but there were a lot more performances that you can be happy about. So we'll start on the bench first. A c- couple guys that were fairly quiet. The line right, 13 minutes, 3 points, 3 rebounds, did have an assist and a steal. I thought he played rock solid. He actually made his only 3-point attempt. Didn't create a ton of his own offense. It's not going to be what he does, but he just makes winning plays. Deflections, playing good defense, rebounding, all that stuff. It's just what he does. He does. He just does little things. It's something that I definitely appreciate. I'm, a, uh, I'm in the tank for role players always, but I thought he was pretty good in this game. Uh, nothing spectacular, but certainly did his job. Um, Lou Williams had his best game of the season probably, at least one of the two probably best games of the season for him. Nine points. It did take nine shots, so it wasn't like he was super-duper efficient, but had two assists, no turnovers. Just kind of did Lou stuff. At least that was encouraging. You know, He definitely has had some struggles this year. You don't want to worry too much about it, for, but for a guy who's 35, there's a little bit of concern when he struggles early in the season, but he was better in this game, a little bit more juice from him off the bench, and certainly they used him appropriately, I thought, for the most part. Um, the one guy who struggled was Cam Reddish. Um, four points, but only uh, they'll come at the line. He's actually 0 of 7 from the floor, 0 of 3 from 3. Five rebounds, two assists. I think, actually, he was better than the numbers indicate, although he still struggled. He didn't take a ton of bad shots. He just kind of, I think, you know, he, he struggled around the rim. It's something that's always kind of happened uh, with him, is that I think he was 0 of 4 on layups in this game. Um, definitely some tougher ones, but he just did not finish well. And then 0 of 3 on threes. I think he only took one, maybe two bad shots. So it wasn't as if it was the same issue as early in the season when he was kind of forcing himself. So I think there were some moments where Cam definitely contributed, but on the whole, he was probably their weakest link in this game. But I will say, I don't think he was quite as bad as the 0 for 7 indicates, if that makes sense. It's just uh, he didn't really have his, his finishing package. He did get four offensive rebounds. That was very, that was helpful. But, um, you know, kind of a mixed bag overall for Reddish even. And I think it was appropriate to play him 17 minutes. You know, obviously with Hunter out, you might have projected him to play more than that. But with the way that the rest of the team was playing, I think it was probably a good idea to not have him play a ton. And if anything, they probably left him out in there a little bit too long, I thought, in the fourth quarter. Probably need to go back to Bogdanovich a little bit earlier. But I thought it was not quite as bad as the 0 of 7 indicates, even if he struggled to some degree. And then Gallinari, I thought, was good. Uh, Ten points. The one mini stretch was probably his best of the season, but again, not like he lit the the world on fire in this game. Ten points and eight shooting possessions is not anything to be terribly excited about, but three rebounds was plus 13. Just had a little bit more juice in this game. Showed uh, what you can do when he's going right, which is kind of use him as an offensive linchpin in a lot of ways. So I thought he was uh, at least better in this game after some struggles this season. Um, To the starters... Bogdanovich was definitely the worst of the five in terms of his overall performance. But even then, I thought he had some encouraging moments. I think defensively, he was better in this game than he has been. I think he struggled pretty mightily at times in terms of uh, sort of point of attack defense this year. But six points is not like anything to be excited about either. But two of five on threes, um, two assists, four rebounds. He wasn't good, but he wasn't as bad as you might think with only six points. Uh, That makes sense. I thought he was just kind of okay. Not a huge game, but uh, didn't kill them either. 
Kevin Herter was quiet-ish, but had 11 points, 6 rebounds, had an assist in 33 minutes, 5-10 from the floor, 1-3 from 3. A couple nice mid-rangers, a couple nice uh, creation efforts from Herter. Not the you know, absolute apex shots, but the, kind of the shots that he was making in the playoffs. Those like decent looks late in the shot clock, stuff that he can kind of do to add to your offense. I thought he played a well-rounded game, played good defense, I thought, overall. And you know, had four fouls, but other than that, just a nice, solid, like, you know, B-minus, B-plus game from Herter. Um, Capella, I thought, was the best he's been in a long time. He wasn't, like, full peak 2020-2021 Capella when he was, you know, a top-five defender in the league. But 13 points, sorry, 12, 12 points, 13 rebounds, two steals, two assists. Um, missed a couple bunnies at the rim, but shot 6 of 10. You'll take 6 of 10 from him um, on any night, honestly, at this point. And I thought that he was energetic on both ends of the floor. Offensively, he showed a little bit more of that finishing, more of that you know springiness, getting to the rim as a lob threat. And then defensively, just kind of walling off the paint. Um, they had to have him be good in this game. You know, Giannis put so much pressure on the rim, and Capella was pretty good in this in this contest. And after the game, I think Sarah Spencer was the one that asked him about this, but he said he feels better um, physically with the Achilles. It's obviously something that we would be keeping an eye on a lot. And you know, it's it's after a win and all that stuff. But I think you could kind of tell as well that he looks more springy. He looks more um, you know, more of himself physically. And obviously it's could be go you know back and forth. They have a back to back on Monday. Keep an eye on that. But it was a, overall a definitely an encouraging night from Capella. Uh John Collins was good, as he has been all year. He's been the model consistency this season for the Hawks. 19 points, six rebounds, had an assist and a block, and it was a great block as well. Um plus 14, 815 from the floor. Actually it was 0 of 2 on threes. But other than that, he was very good. Very good in the second half as well. 15 points in the second half. Um, had a bunch of big moments and just, again, a nice well-rounded performance from Collins. Good, uh, He was good defensively against Portis and Giannis. And, uh, yeah, another solid effort from, from Collins, who's been awesome this year. And then Trey Young was just brilliant, honestly. It was his best, his best his best game of the season, a season high, 42 points from Trey, 10 assists, 8 rebounds. Did have 5 turnovers, but not, not any of the uh, too painful variety. Um, 8 of 13 on twos is totally solid and then eight of 13 on threes as well is obviously more than solid you can't expect him to shoot that well on threes every night for sure but he was getting him up quickly uh, i will kind of push back on one thing that both nate and trey said and i'm not trying to poo-poo anything but they both talked about how they wanted to push the pace in this game and honestly that didn't really manifest um they sound like it when they were talking after the game was that it did but it really didn't it was kind of a um overall the pace in the game was quite slow actually on both sides, and that's that's not that's not a one team thing. Milwaukee was playing slow as well, but the Hawks were like near the bottom of the league in transition frequency in this game. It was not like they were getting out and running a ton. Um, Trey was shooting quickly in half court sets, which I think maybe is part of that. And especially early in the game, he was just kind of bombing away, and it was working. He was making shots, but I will keep an eye on that. Nate said that pregame as well that they wanted to push the tempo. I'm not sure that actually happened in this game, to be honest with you. But they played better defense, and uh, as he said to his credit, he's he's right about this. You can't push the tempo without getting stops, and the Hawks got more stops in this game. And obviously defense leads to offense in a lot of ways, and the Hawks have had that happen where they kind of goes the other direction on that. But I think it was an overall effective performance, and Trey was awesome. And you can obviously a reminder of just how good he can be. He's been good this year anyway. I think he's not been the problem and he's by any stretch of the imagination. But he had it going in this game, and you can definitely see the highs when he does that. Um, again, overall, as we wrap up the podcast, it was a complete effort from the Hawks. Um, it wasn't perfect, it wasn't flawless, but a lot, a lot, a lot to be encouraged by. And uh, as the Hawks get into the stretch now, where, as I said before the game, I think on Twitter, I'll say it again here, they're going to be favored probably, at least barring injury, in their next five games. Um, and they're favored in this game as well. It's not like 
that's a guaranteed victory every night by any means. But in the way that they were underdogs the entire West Coast trip, they're going to be favored in a lot of these games. If you can go out and post the number, you kind of uh, erase that sour taste from the West Coast trip. That'd be very encouraging. Get the win tonight to definitely have that first step at five and nine. But nothing, uh, nothing is assured. But the next five, they play Orlando at home on Monday. That's a, a favorable matchup. I will say it's back to back, and the Magic are at, are at full strength in terms of full rest. But still, in Atlanta, barring injuries, the Hawks should be favored comfortably in that game. Orlando is not a very good basketball team. Um, then you have Boston, Charlotte, Oklahoma City, all at home. And then at San Antonio the day before Thanksgiving. And San Antonio is not a terrible team, but they're not great either. So I think the Hawks will be favored in all of those games and a chance to kind of get back to where they want to be, at least on some level at this point. Again, looking ahead to the game on Monday, briefly, it's a back-to-back. We'll see what in terms of availability for Hunter and Bogdanovich, etc., but the Hawks, you know, I, I, I'm looking right now. I believe they are, uh, yes, they're 10-point favorites as I'm looking at this at the moment, according to our friends at BetOnline.ag. So uh, that tells you what is expected there, even on the back-to-back. So we'll see, and we'll cover that game at length after the game is over. But stay tuned for all of that, all of the complete coverage, as we always do in this space. But thank you as listening for uh, thank you as always, I should say, for listening to the podcast, everybody. Please subscribe to the show via Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Please follow us as well on Twitter at Lots on Hawks, or you can follow me as well at BT Roland on Twitter, and I will try to reply if you send me questions or comments. I try to do my best to get back to as many people as possible, and I really enjoy talking to listeners and readers, etc. So that's gonna do it for today's podcast. We'll see you after the game on Monday evening and stay tuned for that.